Welcome back to another episode of Ten Thousand Roads to Financial Independence. Today I have Nick Espinet. Um, Nick is a colleague of mine and a great friend.、Um, so he is principal at Thrive Multifamily LLC, and he's a multifamily syndicator and investor. He lives in Fort Worth, Texas. Nick has been passively investing in multifamily assets since 2016, and has been a syndicator since 2018. Um, he's worked as a licensed physical therapist since 1996, and has run his own practice since 2012. His experience as a small business owner has set him up、um, properly for running and growing Thrive Multifamily, a Texas-based multifamily company. And Nick is currently an asset manager in four multifamily syndication deal totaling 580 units, and passively invested over 1,500 units at seven properties. And my understanding is Nick is also have、um, multiple properties in small market like tertiary markets and also growth markets. So we're gonna get into a little bit more detail on that with Nick、uh, and their asset management experience today.、Uh, welcome to the show today, Nick. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to visit with you today, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely.、Um, so, Nick, we always our ask our guests. The first question is: When you think back in your childhood or your growth, or even can be reason, who is instrumental in shaping the entrepreneur who you are today? Who or what incident? Okay, I was kind of a late bloomer, but it's probably、uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki or or my wife's.、Um, Dad, he's kind of a serial entrepreneur, just always starting a different little business. Has、uh, been very successful. So coming into uh, that uh, setting after getting married and getting to know, I'm really dating, but getting to know him and seeing、uh, just some of the freedom that he had through, you know, starting his own business or doing real estate. And he has a smaller, I think, 12 unit apartment complex and several little,、uh, you know, some commercial buildings and some single family. But you know, so that got my interest started. And then along with my wife, and and then you know Robert,、uh, rich dad, poor dad,、uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book really kind of just turned the light bulb on for me. So I started you know following other、um, just the mindset of taking control and not having to be a W two employee and and work for someone else and build their wealth while while you're working. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then so you were a physical therapist.、Um, How did you kind of transition out of that、um, into? I know you still practice, probably only one client or so. It's more like a hobby now.、Um, but you reach your financial independence through apartment investing.、Um, but you know, like, how did you actually transition from that career into you know buying your first multifamily or investing in your first investments? Sure. So I、uh, being a more contract setting where we filled in or work for、uh, we we I would fill in for other people like if a home health company、uh, needed a therapist,、uh, we would come in and do the visits or you know somebody's on vacation or maternity leave. And so being、um, it was more of a I was PRN or part time. I could ramp up and ramp down. So on my first deal, you know, kind of slowed down the therapy side、um, while we were going through the acquisition process. Sorry, difficult word, but、um, and then build it back up, you know, because it took till you know really my fourth deal to where it started having a, a reasonable amount of income to be able to retire, have some comfort level. But like you said, I still keep my foot in the door a little bit,、um, just with um, partly um, to keep keep in the business a bit, and I may eventually get out. But also, I have、uh, friends that own 
some companies and if they need help uh, and I'm not too busy, I'll, I'll go see a visit or two for them <clears throat> just to help out. And, um, you know, it's just getting to the comfort level um, that, you know, that I had enough income that I could uh, cover my expenses. Um, and, and a great thing about a physical therapist, there's always going to be a need. Um, so if, if for some reason, and I don't suspect this, the bottom dropped out of real estate and we didn't have income, I could pretty easily get back into doing some, it may not be exactly the type of therapy that I want to do, but I could create some income. But, you know, I also like looking at, you know, other income streams out there too. You know, my, my wife does some short-term rental stuff. Um, so just looking at other avenues that we, that she, and that's more something so she could have something to do, but, you know, and, um, especially now having more of the entrepreneurial mindset, I, I don't think I'd have to go back to a W2 or 1099 for long. Yeah. We would, and we what, would is find that mindset? what is that mindset? You kind of mentioned about entrepreneur mindset. Like what is that shift that kind of happens for you? What, what, what is that the biggest difference? I think it's not feeling like you have to depend on uh, someone else or a company corporation for, for the job and security of, a you know, having your retirement, your, uh, health insurance side insurance setup to where I, you know, we, we now it's, um, it's achievable. Um, you, but forever, if you had asked me that seven, 10 years ago, I'd say, oh, there's no way. Cause you gotta have, you gotta have health insurance. You gotta have, um, you know, all the things that come with the, the, the security of showing up every day and getting a paycheck once every week or two weeks, whatever it is. But just knowing that, and you're having the mindset that may, no matter what, we may be lean doing something, may not have money for a couple a month or two or six months if we're doing it. But you know, if we keep plugging away that you you will eventually get there. <clears throat> That's amazing. And, and it's um, a comfort, you know, that you, you got to be able to move away from the comfort of, uh, of your nine to five or W2 that right. guaranteed money, but you're trading time for, for the money. Yeah. Which is kind of really setting a limit for, entrepreneurs on the other side of the equation over here um and so nick this is very interesting to me so you and i know knew each other for a while um and uh, from just kind of looking at the history of you guys property uh as asset managers you started from somewhere that is a tertiary market can you kind of share with us why you decided to go there because we know a lot of syndicators that talk about growth markets and like so what are you kind of uncovered or um in these markets and in fact that you kind sure. of did a couple of deals over there yeah so yeah um so we uh, just a little high level on the market we're in it's abilene texas which is about two hours west of dfw it's uh population is between 125,000 130,000 and that whole msa is i think around 150 160 <clears throat> but uh we you know my business partner brad abbott and i were looking for uh deals in, in DFW and we just kept getting beat back in late 16, 2017. And also at the time when we were first starting, we couldn't really compete with some of the hard money that was going and re being required, um, you know, day one. And so we thought, well, let's, you know, I, I didn't know about this book then, but the blue oceans book where you, you get outside of the bloody water where the sharks are feeding and just get outside where there's still some growth there. It's not the crazy DFW growth. <clears throat> but it was, you know, Abilene has positive job growth and positive population growth and has for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's a lot of people think of West Texas as being very uh, fossil fuel dependent, but it's um, Abilene started, oh, I think in the 70s or 80s, they really focused on moving, um, trying to bring other 
industry into their uh, community that was not oil and gas related. So like the, the first, if you look at their 30 largest employers, 40, the oil and, first oil and gas companies down in the 20s are, are low 30s. So they really moved away from that. So they've got a lot of diversification for for a smaller community. So when we start looking at these sec- secondary tertiary markets, we want to look for positive job growth, positive population growth, um, and that they ha- they're not dependent on one one industry. <clears throat> you, you, you want to see that there's a variety. So if one of those companies went away, um, that that smaller community would survive. And, and one thing we really liked about Abilene, it does have a large Air Force base, mm-hmm. but they had re- right about the time we were uh, looking, they uh, re- uh, they were awarded uh, one of only two bases, air bases in the U.S. that were awarded the uh, the new stealth bomber. So we thought we gave us comfort that they weren't going to come in and retrofit this base for that new airplane and then uh, then move everything away. And then their second industry there is a uh, health, uh, health and medical, mm. which uh, if you guys are a lot of the medium mid sized communities out in West Texas, they will serve multiple. Like I think Abilene serves nineteen counties for medical so those smaller surrounding counties may only have one or two doctors or a few but they don't have ct scanners or mri machine all the really expensive equipment is in abilene so if people are needing tests and things like that they come into abilene for for that or for the special you know if they need an orthopedist or neurologist that these smaller outlying communities don't have so abilene has a, a large um health health network and then they they do have um three um, uh, uh, univer- universities, colleges, not not large ones, but so yeah. pretty fair size education employment sector too. Yeah, got it, got it. So it's really kind of knowing the market really deep. Mm-hmm. And so how did you find that like competitive edge? I believe like you and Brad maybe lived there. Is that why like you had all these insight into that particular market? And and then for our listeners who want to kind of establish that expertise, what would you recommend them to do? Um, we did. So my business partner, Brad Abbott, his he went to college there and his mom and dad lived there. And my father-in-law lived there. So we, we had a connection, but we were looking in other areas out in that area. But what we did is we listed, we found the population size we wanted. And then we just started looking, uh, doing research through a Bayer, Bureau of Labor and Statistics, Texas Workforce Commission. Just you can find data that shows if there's been positive job growth. And I think you go back 50 or 70 years in the Bureau, Bureau of Labor and Statistics mm-hmm. and look at how the, the jobs have done. You know, there, there's everything cyclical as, as the whole U.S. economy goes. But, you know, yeah. the, those are positive. And even Abilene. And I think it, it Abilene has been through the pandemic had the third best unemployment in the state of, per city. And all through when we've invested there, Abilene's unemployment was better than the state average. So, you know, that's a, a, a good thing. And you're not, yeah. you know, one thing we don't have in Abilene is they're not building much. There, there's mm-hmm. been one, one, maybe two deliveries since we started buying there. Mm-hmm. And whereas, you know, DFW, there's, there's apartments anywhere there's enough space to put one, they're, they're trying to build them. Yeah, we don't have the the supply coming in like you do in some uh, larger metros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So really, kind of carved out being deep into a um, mm-hmm. like a market that maybe have some edge. So I would encourage our listener, like, a kind of following what Nick is kind of talking about over here, like taking a look at these pockets that maybe has its own unique growth uh, with diverse uh, job 
opportunities, et cetera, maybe a good way to kind of find your own blue oceans out of, you know, the whatever the shark <laughs> oceans yeah. out there. You don't want to be um, in the bloody feeding area. Yeah, the bloody feeding area. Um, <laughs> so Nick, I know like you've um, you are kind of primarily focused on asset management. Can you tell us a little bit about your system? Like, what kind of system do you set up? Like, when you first grow, like, get it into your first syndication, what that story look like? And then, since then, what kind of system have you kind of been setting up for that? Sure. So, you know, my Brad Abbott and I, we divide up. He does more of the lender relations, um, communicating with them, putting in for our reserves. And I, I manage uh, most part. He does some, but most of the uh, project management, going over the property management company. So, I try to daily, but I'm not 100% on it. Looking at what our collections are, we have a way we're tracking them against. So a lot of this started in COVID, where I finally started building some stuff. We'll look at, you know, what we collected on the six. Sometime like at around six or eight tonight, or before eight tomorrow morning, I'll enter what we collected, <coughs> what our collections were at the end of the day, and then I have that now. I've built enough where I can look and see where we were on the 16th for the last, I think, 15, 15 months back and see if we're up or down and um, look at that. I'll look at, you know, I want to make sure how many available units we have, you know, so I always want to have, make sure we have a, at least a hand, you know, one or two of every floor plan should be ready or very close. Cause if, I, if somebody walks in and wants a lease, I want to be able to move them in. If, if they're clear that they can move in that day, because if not, they're probably going down the street to somebody else. That I'm, um, you know, if I don't want to miss that opportunity, mm-hmm. or have to put someone else off. So you're looking at the available units, um, and then looking at our delinquency. If they're following up on the delinquency, <clears throat> making sure people, you know, COVID it got bigger. One of our thing I didn't mention earlier is one of the things we look for is uh, uh, locations with um, landlord friendly laws. And so Texas is usually pretty landlord friendly, but through COVID, um, we that that was. Um, change but mm-hmm. it's now now we can evict but we have a, a handful of people that we have one guy that he probably went 10 months without paying and we couldn't which oh. in texas is crazy yeah so uh he is he is being processed out now mm-hmm. you know just looking to see what what is the status no nobody i, I want to see something at least updated within the uh, delinquent report once a week about every seven mm-hmm. days if not more more often and yeah. uh you know and then just look through you know what it, if I don't do this often, but try to look every month or so people that expired leases. Are we billing them for, are they being brought up to market and being charged um, the month to month fee? Mm-hmm. Um, we replaced a property management company that uh, had some more challenges following that, that we have a new, our new company seems to have more systems and, uh, but I'm still going to be until I see that they're following through and, and getting these things. And then I may back off a little bit, but, Right now, I think we have to really track it. You know, obviously occupancy, but uh, you know, collections are a good indicator. Even right now, our collections are up significantly on some properties. I'm having them separate any charity from the Texas Rental Relief mm-hmm. um, program that's going on. I want to be separate than rent. I want to see what our rent is. So we're truly comparing what what we were doing last June <clears throat> to this June. Even though last June there was some charity coming in. You know, that was probably about the time charity stuff started coming through for COVID. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, still a challenge to know how much of that collection was, was charity and compared, but it's, um, you know, plus I don't want to say, wow, we got this great amount. 
it's going to it, it's probably going to dip next month because we got a big big uh, uh, back some back rent and that should shouldn't be going in rent anyway. Most of it should be clearing off the delinquency, but mm-hmm. it still makes our collections for the month look spectacular. Yeah, exactly. So you want to kind of eliminate the anomalies and etc. That is right. a lot of work to enter your incomes and etc. Looking at that on a daily basis, you have four properties now. Um, you may be having more that's coming up on the deck. Um, so at what point do you feel like you may be breaking that scalability for someone who's maybe interested in being a syndicator? And so like, at what? because you want to kind of anticipate the growth before you get there. Um, so what kind of system do you have in place for that? I think it, my system right now is I have a 13-year-old daughter that likes to make money. So she she enters, I've, she's learned how to, we're all, I have a file for her to pull it up and she, and she's only eight dollars. I shouldn't awesome. tell anybody that. She's very inexpensive. So <laughs> yeah. she she said, to the well, podcast that, she will want to raise. <laughs> yes. So she um she and I've told her if she has a spend a night with a friend, she can miss a night. And uh, but she and actually I do I'm giving her a certain amount per month to do those. But then you know I even have her um, send emails for me if I have a template email because sometimes our Mailchimp a lot of it I think goes to spam. We don't have the greatest open rate on. Mailchimp. So when I really want to get something out, we'll send individual mm-hmm. emails, and um, I've done it myself in the past, and it takes almost two days of sending each person an individual email. Yeah, um, I'm gonna, uh, you know, with I mostly do that when we're trying to raise capital because I want to make sure everybody gets an email. But mm-hmm. I will. Um, she has shown I've kind of worked her up, and I think she's shown the responsibility because it's really just putting the email in there, putting a first name, and mm-hmm. I shouldn't give my. I'm, I'm, anybody can do this, but. Yeah, it's not a personalized email because when well, although when I do it myself, if it's somebody I've talked to in the last month right. or two, I'll throw a sentence in there and go, "It's good to talk to you last week or last month." And yeah. but um, but it's you know, otherwise we're sending out mass emails from Mailchimp, and half of them are I don't know, I, you know, a large portion of them are getting stuck in in people's junk folders or right. They've never seen that yet. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> uh, that's awesome. So start thinking about hiring out and et cetera. Um, and then where would you say, like, so then you kind of moved forward to some larger markets. Um, so how do you kind of scale in different markets? Like, why did you move to these markets? Yeah. The challenge with Abilene is there's not as much volume. So now that we have a little more capability of being able to match some of that earnest money and, and have some track record with some of the larger brokers in the, those markets. Um, we'd like to move, you know, in Dallas, Houston, <clears throat> possibly San Antonio, just because you're going to have more deals trading. You know, Abilene, um, we, we there was, no, there's a, one deal that was off market. And I think we've bought for the last six or seven deals that have traded there. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's and it's nice we are i mean as much as i think abilene's diverse it's probably yeah. nice not to have all our eggs in one basket there right. too you're like the lord of uh abilene <laughs> well i um i did find out we we thought we might be one of the biggest or the biggest but some uh, one of the brokers told me there's one other um group that has a little more than us so we are the second largest owner mm. in abilene yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah creating your own blue oceans and become your own well yes. um that's <laughs> awesome and so can you kind of explain a little bit more about like having more transactions and et cetera? I'm guessing like you do have goals to perhaps do more volume as well. Um, because I think one thing to note about you guys operations that you see a lot of other groups that they kind of go 
math of growth, right? Everybody's strategy is different, but I know like you guys have been always been diligent in terms of let's test it out, get this over through a period of time, getting returns started, and then you start looking at the next one, which is very a responsible way of doing that. Um, so like, can you kind of share your thought process behind that? And there's there any learning you would say, well, I wish we didn't do that versus we did, you know, it was the right path to kind of do. Um, it's, kind of I, I think having a delay because the acquisition time is, is very, uh, labor can be very, between getting your PSA worked out, your fund rate capital raising, you know, which, you know, capital raising includes getting emails out, um, uh, putting a podcast or a, a webinar out and communicating and then co uh, consolidating some that we have started a portal. This will be our first time to use a portal, um, this go around so that I'm optimistic that it's going to make a, that a lot easier. You know, the last two deals, we created our own um, DocuSign, went in and like through the documents and, you know, that, that took probably a half a day to a day, not being a very tech savvy person. Yeah. It was a, you know, a bit of a challenge, but we got through it. Uh, this time it's going to be handled. So, you know, it's going to add some costs, but I think it's going to free up some time. And we, we have a cr come across a, um, a website and, and my, my wife knew about it, but I didn't, but it's something that will, we give them the content and they'll create our emails, make them look a little more professional and polished. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can, I can get out MailChimp emails, but they're still pretty bland. Mm -hmm. Just trying to get something a little more, um, um, you know, pops and, and draws more attention than somebody that understands marketing and how things should be arranged on the, mm -hmm. on the, uh, to, to catch people's attention and something like that. So um, I think I'm getting off on a tangent, but you know, just, I, we moving in that we are starting to scale by you know offloading the the um the, the fundraising to the portal and the communications we're getting that once we have it we're setting up for our properties too so we can com communicate through the portal for our, our monthly newsletters and our um, we can um, have people set up for their distributions their k1s can be available there and right. just you know, kind of take in some of those steps off of our plate yeah over there that's great um, and uh, so what would you say from, you know, being a physical therapist to a uh, full-time apartment investor, like the biggest transition, um, obviously they're very different, <laughs> but the biggest transition for you um, in terms of like the mindset and because you, you're doing syndication, you're going out there to actually raise money. So how do you actually get yourself conditioned to do so? And how do you actually finding surrounding yourself with other like-minded people so you can see that it's it's achievable you know if i was doing this by myself while i was still working my my 1099 job i would have i would have got like the crabs that get pulled down in the bucket i would have been pulled right back down with the others been told you can't it's impossible you can't do it but you know i, be, I joined a mentorship group and just not only the mentorship group that helped educate me and teach me, but all the other people that were in the group, you know, just we'd have networking events and then talk with other guys, uh, men and women that, that had, had achieved success in you, you, you were uh, one of them that to see that somebody could come from different walks of life, be it, a lawyer, a doctor, a physical therapist, mm -hmm. um, you know, all different walks of life and, uh, and just apply themselves and, and uh, purchase an apartment. Cause yeah, especially back then I was a lot more skeptical. I remember thinking, this is some kind of a, a multi-level marketing what's going on here. And, yeah. but the longer I was around, like there's just way too many people that have been successful at other walks of life are now doing this. And so it's, it's not a, it wasn't a scam. And it was 
possibly. And I was very nervous. You know, our first deal, we raised a million and a half dollars, which isn't all that much. Everybody can, oh, it won't be that. There's, but you're still, you're like, man, I'm, I'm putting myself out there and it is the money. And we, we got it in a day of 24 hours. We had, we didn't have any bank. We had, we had verbal email commitments and yeah. it was just, you know, just like, wow, I can't believe that that happened. Yeah. And it, you know, some of them we've had to work a little harder. So we've gotten bigger raises. We had actually have to kind of knock on doors more and work at it. But, you know, first two we had within a, one day and then maybe two days, two and a half days or so we having, we had a wait list, sorry, which is, which is a great feeling because, it kind of spoils you. Then the next one is like, oh, we went up to a five million dollar raise, and we definitely had to to make more contacts and follow up. Exactly. And then, so um, I'm guessing the unit counts also is different as you kind of go. You kind of alluded to because if you had a 1.5 million dollar, I'm assuming the units counts are a little bit lower than that. So like a transitioning from like growing to one level to the next one. You know the biggest the difference that you kind of noticed and the, the additional things that you have added into your operation um, we uh, we really the first one it's it's more just i think abilene was a hidden gem we got our first deal at thirty-seven thousand a door wow. for 100 units yeah and so the second one was um it was a it was 124 units or maybe f- uh for 6.25 Nice. don't let the tax man know that <laughs> edit that one uh you know, and then we went up to our biggest ones was up 228 now you have a look at the 228 it was a mid 80s property um yeah. in a little nicer part of town so you you the expectation for your tenant base is a little better you know we did come in and re repaint the whole outside just try to freshen that one up more mm-hmm. whereas the the ones that were uh some of the others we didn't they didn't necessarily need that but you know uh and then we went back down our last one uh, most recent was a uh, 128 units so but it was again it was a, in a little bit nicer neighborhood mm-hmm. um and, and and the same thing where you know just a different expectation on the tenant base a little mess, nicer amenities um but yeah, um, and, and now that the we're looking at a larger one in a bigger market not larger but it it's it's actually quite a bit more per door but it's it's not going to be the biggest by unit count Gotcha, gotcha. So you're paying so much more, more like moving the prices up or getting into a better market versus so it's still growth, but you're not managing mm-hmm. more. That's that's uh really right. it, yeah. It, yeah, it's not unit growth, but it price growth, I guess, would be the best and description. Looking at these higher priced units compared to like what you would bought before and you could just have killed you before, like one one that was like super low. Yeah. Um you know, what would you say the difference? Is it kind of worth it to kind of trade up in a better location? I would assume so. Why would you go after the better location properties? I think fewer, you know, fewer, uh, you should, ideally you're going to have fewer skips, turn up, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, bad, the bad debt should be coming down and you're more challenging as you get into nice units because they can build, if you get nice enough, they're building another one just down the street. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, you know, less maintenance issues. As you start coming in, and I think it'll be more desirable when we go to list it to sell. It's going to be more uh, sought after by by buyers. Yeah. And the uh, you know, and, but to be honest with you, our the ugliest one probably is the easiest one. It's yeah. It just it runs smooth and easy. It's it's all one floor. It wouldn't be what you'd look at. It's but it's all one floor, mm-hmm. mostly one bedrooms in it. But it just it chugs along and just. I wish I had ten of them just like we. I, I mean, I, I 
look over the fine and the all the number the KPIs. I'm like, hey, everything's about where, where they were, I and mean, just steadily moving up. So, yeah. you know, it, it takes about five minutes of our hour. We do a, an hour call with our property management company once a week, and and that oldest one takes the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and when you take over a property in the first 60 days or 90 days, what do you do? Okay. Um, so as we take over, you know, it's first just kind of getting the staff in and getting settled, making, you know, through our due diligence, we should should have most of the uh, skeletons, if there were any, hopefully found. Um, but it's getting, we always want to kind of make a splash as we come in with a new, uh, new if we're bringing in new staff, or even if we're carrying over the old staff, maybe do some type of tenant appreciation or welcome the new you know, new management, new new owners, do something special for the tenants. But I think you only get that first amount. You need. And then if we can, well, we will start working on interiors, but can we add an amenity? Or if that's part of our plan, can we do do something nice in that first 60, 90 days? Now, if it's going to be something bigger, it may take longer from the construction side to get that done. But I, I think it's important to to come and show them that you're, you're not just taking over and, and making things worse, even though, cause you may be coming in and changing, you know, people don't like stuff changed right. at the very worst, you know, you're, you're changing the way they have to pay online and they may have to pay for, with a check for 30 days until you get everything switched over. So you're, you're causing some inconvenience in their life. So try to do something nice. So they see that, that they're, they're getting something for their, their inconvenience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what is your, cause now you have, like almost 600 units over here and i'm guessing like it next up this year you're probably going to hit a thousand so what is the kind of like a mid-term long-term you know goal for you or why for you uh of keep on doing this because now you've reached financial independence a lot of it is uh um you have i have three daughters and just being able to travel more freely when we want to um, you know, from not have to ask off, but you know, and, and you hit a certain number of units to where you can hire an asset man, somebody that can watch over that stuff, and I can leave for a month on a vacation to another country, with, and not have to feel like I needed to check my phone or email on a on a very frequent basis. But you know, just having the freedom to do that, or or um, you know, I have a colleague; uh, he has a one younger daughter, and he's been in, they they had a van completely retrofitted to. Yeah. They're spending a year driving around the U.S. Wi-Fi and everything set up, so he can uh, he can set up and still do his real estate stuff uh, from in the middle of nowhere with a satellite satellite Wi-Fi. You're just having the freedom to to do something like that if we wanted to. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and the, so, last question we asked is uh, um, that. Um, so you have daughters, uh, you have three kids. Um, what are you doing to mm-hmm. kind of set them up for financial success, entry, financial literacy, teaching them financial literacy? Um, one is I try to discuss what we're doing. Uh, uh, but it's funny because we we actually just bought a snow cone business. Or, <laughs> we didn't, my daughters, we have it set up where they are. Uh, they have um, the infinite banking life insurance policy that's way big tangent to get on, but they are taking their loan out of that yeah. to buy this. It was a... A girl from their school started it three or four years ago when she was a sophomore, but she's been wow. off to to college and has come home the last two summers and run it. But she just decided she can't do it, uh, do well enough with it. So, you know, that is funny because the, the girl, my wife reached out to her when she saw that it was for sale and she, she the girl wanted to meet my wife. She's like, no, our daughter, we want our daughters to come. So we went and <laughs> met at a coffee shop and had them ask questions. You know, is anything one of my daughters was looking up and, 
And when we finished, she goes, oh, I think it sounds great. But so I had to, I, was like, God, I need to talk to her about body language and eye contact. When, yeah. you're, when you're talking <laughs> with people, even though you may be paying attention, if you're looking all over yeah. the place, she doesn't think you're paying attention. And it's distracting. <laughs> it was funny, but they, um, they've gone and done a training with her and we're getting it set up and we've got a, it's not a big go inside one. It's outside. And it's going to be a, yeah. it's no artificial flavors, no corn syrup. Okay. I don't know, it's more of a, it's not 100% natural. organic, but it's a, a healthier yeah, yeah, it's a We did learn there's difference between shaved ice and um, snow cones. Snow cones are like the chipped up ice and a shaved yeah. ice is more like snow. Yeah. So this is a shaved ice one, but it's, uh, and they're, they were pretty good. I tried, we got to try a few of them. Nice. Um, so that, and just teaching them to go through that process, teaching them how the interest works on it. Yeah. And I, you know, it's going to be interesting, the three of them working together because they're buying it together and yeah. see you know who's going to how the work yes how when who yeah one of them's nine so she wants to do all the fun stuff like you got to rotate with everybody you got to do everybody's got to help clean up everybody's got to help do the certain parts so doing that and we had great game anybody listen if you haven't it's back to robert kiyosaki is a cash flow um cash flow game it's a board game and it's great you know it's um we play that probably not often enough, but a few times a year. And it, it's a, a you kind of see the scenarios of, of investing in different types of things and your return on investment, but, you know, doing some things like that that are fun. Cause a lot of times dad sitting at the computer for 10 hours a day is not what they want to see when we're trying to get a deal. <laughs> it's not very rewarding. It's more, more when we're traveling somewhere and we have to stop and drive through some apartments as we're going through a town. Yeah. So I've had to tell them like these apartments pay for our trip we're going on. So everybody right. don't complain about an hour little detour over to look at some apartments. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dick, Nick, for your time today. And how does people find out more about you? Where do they go find more about you and thrive multifamily? Yeah, they can email me at Nick uh nic there's no k so nic at thrive multifamily t-h-r-i-v-e multifamily.com mm-hmm. and um, i will reply back and with my calendar link and we can set up a call i have a 10 or 15 minute call set up through my calendar i'd love to chat with you and, and just share with you my journey and how i you know went from basically having bought two two single family homes that i lived in my own personal residence to be my first purchase uh syndication was a hundred unit property and now um, at four with 580 units yeah. and looking to, um, you know, ideally do one to two deals a year going forward in, in larger deals in larger markets. So if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Just got to take some persistence and, and, and continuing with it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Nick. I always, um, it always struck me how down to earth you and Brad both are and helpful, helpful you are. Like Nick actually has shared um, some renovation process documents, scopes, and et cetera with me uh, early in my career as well. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, Nick. And then uh, for- You're welcome. Guys, Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, guys. Like, check out um, his uh, contact information, contact him. You know, that could be one act that you did that make a difference. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick. Yes. Thank you.